Hi, everyone. I'm Liam Sanyo from Inside Scientific, your favorite online source for life science webinars, virtual events, interviews, and educational content helping you do your best work. This episode of Expert Answers features Dr. Katsu Funai, Associate Professor for Physical Therapy and Athletic Training, and Associate Professor of Molecular Medicine at the University of Utah. Recently, Dr. Funai joined us for a webinar to talk about how mitochondrial membrane lipids can affect metabolic efficiency and propensity for obesity-related diseases. So let's get right into it. So Katsu, you talked about how mitochondrial inefficiency might have a detrimental effect to health, uh, but it seems like in the weight loss portion of your talk, the increased inefficiency would increase energy expenditure to prevent obesity. Could you just clarify your thoughts on that? Yeah, sure. So I didn't touch on this very much, but so the concept of whether increased efficiency or decreased efficiency is you know, beneficial, quote unquote, is highly tissue dependent and highly step dependent. And I think the highly step dependent is quite intuitive because the signaling cascade that is induced by such inefficiency will be different. Now, tissue dependent. So in the context of what you just asked about weight loss, and so weight loss increases energy expenditure sorry, weight loss increases energy efficiency, decreases energy expenditure. So from the context of adiposity, weight gain, the fact that if skeletal muscle has an ability to use more uh, uh, use more energy to do the same work, uh, that is decreased energy efficiency, not with weight loss, then that will be predicted to be beneficial from the context of obesity, but not necessarily if you need as much energy to uh, produce force in the case of skeletal muscle. In the case of cardiac, though, uh, for example, if there is a reduced efficiency, that may be potentially highly detrimental, both from the context of contractility as well as malignant hyperthermia. So that is a situation where increased, uh, sorry, decreased PDO will be bad. Another tissue where this could be bad that we're actively uh, studying is in a beta cell where an ability to sense the ratio between ATP and ADP is the, is the intermediate signal to produce, in, uh, to release insulin to, uh, stimulated by glucose. And so if mitochondria is inefficient in beta cell at this step, then it will also be predicted to be ineffective insulin producer. So that's also not good. So again, it's highly tissue dependent and highly step dependent. Excellent. Great answer. And now another question here. In the last portion of your talk, you discussed how weight loss might increase the efficiency of uh, for ATP synthesis. How does exercise alter efficiency and how does that relate to exercise and its relationship to gaining weight? Right. Okay. So that, that's a really good question. Now, so it's not our data, uh, but we have, we show, I showed it earlier that exercise actually increases the efficiency of ATP synthesis also. So that's the step three to step four. P2O is, is increased in AP, in, in P2O. And so that will be expected to reduce the energy expenditure with exercise, right? And I think in the context of weight loss and exercise, there are two things going on. So if energy efficiency is higher, then energy expenditure 
per ATP produced is lower. But if a person is exercising, then the total ATP consumption is higher. So maybe the, the muscle is potentially more efficient and less effective user of energy, but the muscle is utilizing a lot of energy to begin with. And the reverse is also true. When a person is inactive, then the efficiency may be lower, meaning energy expenditure per ATP consumed might be higher, but that person is not exercising as much. So the, the non-resting energy expenditure is, is lower to begin with, and therefore the low efficiency may not be beneficial from the context of adiposity. Excellent. Here's another question here. What is known about IMM, cardiolipin, and PE levels in obese humans and mice? So the question is mitochondrial cardiolipin and PE content with obesity, right, in mice. Again, it's tissue dependent. We showed, we presented the liver data, right? The obesity increases, sorry, obesity decreases cardiolipin. I'm trying to remember PE went down in some intervention and PE went up in some intervention. And that's why we're not particularly focusing on PE at the moment in the liver with obesity. We also looked at muscle. So there, there are a few things that are caveat to this. So when you induce intervention, metabolic in- intervention, I mentioned that one of the things that you need to be careful is that the mitochondrial content changes. Now, one of the other things that also changes is, is actually protein to lipid ratio of mitochondria change. So you need to be kind of very careful how you think about this. You want to norm, usually when you do lipidome, you normalize it to the milligram of protein of mitochondria. And if you only look at the data that way, then you miss the picture because the protein to lipid ratio is also different. And this protein to lipid ratio we find is actually kind of highly plastic and it's really highly time dependent. So if you look at it over different course of time, this concentration is different. And so it's it's quite tricky and it's not simply sort of one goes up and down. You have to, the question is, what, what are you comparing to? That is always important. And I think in my mind, what's important is compared to the rest of the IMM environment. Yes, I think protein to lipid ratio is also important, but you, you want to think about the, the lipids that's present and if cardiolipin is not there, then you have PE or PC or something else that's there. And so it's it's all about sort of the, the ratio. And I don't have a great answer to this without showing you sort of all the data here. And, and we have it for muscle. We also are doing this for white adipose tissue. That's another tissue where obesity obviously directly is important. So we, we have to troubleshoot to make sure we can get enough mitochondria from a different white adipose tissue to do the lipidome. And we got that now. So. I know I didn't really answer your question, but in the tissues that we measure, they do change, but the change is not sort of simple. Excellent. Perfect. Is the muscle atrophy with PSD knockout just a loss of ATP bioenergetics, or does it cause mitochondria signaling for apoptosis or autophagy or mitophagy? Yeah, you know, great question. And so one of the things that, and we discussed this a little bit in Tim's paper too, there is a mitochondrial defect. JO2 is lower, JATP is lower. But the magnitude, I think it's kind of interesting. The, the magnitude, it is not the ex- extent that you might actually expect what we saw, which is death. So the magnitude of loss in JAT was, JATP was probably like 40%, and that is capacity, right? And so 
when you have a 40% loss in capacity for ATP synthesis, do you expect atrophy? Well, I mean, I, I'm not sure. Maybe atrophy, yes. At least partly explain it. But, you know, we, we can live with a 40% reduction of mitochondrial mass and muscle for most of the function because a basal state are uh, about 30% of the mitochondria is only active in muscle. So you would expect that it was the 40% reduction. So you still have 60% reserve. That would not necessarily be sufficient to cause the phenotype we saw. So the bottom line is, is we really don't know why the PSD knockout mice and muscle knockout in mice were that, uh, that severe. We have some lead, but I don't think it's JATP. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Expert Answers and that you'll tune into future episodes where researchers just like you answer questions about their work and share science. Don't forget to subscribe and we'll see you next time.